Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's Insight Assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. This is What the Heck with Mike Heck on MMAFighting.com. Now, here is your host, Mike Heck. What the heck? Well, hello there, everybody, and welcome to a brand new edition of What the Heck right here on MMAFighting.com. I am Mike Heck. Hope you've had a great week. I know it's been a bit crazy here in the United States with the election going on, and it's been crazy in the Heck household as well. Been wild for a number of reasons, but uh, nobody really cares about that. <laughs> you guys want to talk MMA and hear from the fighters, and we'll do that on this week's program like we do each and every Thursday, 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Of course, we are coming out of UFC Vegas 12 this past Saturday. Uriah Hall finishes Anderson Silva in the main event, but uh, it appears if Anderson's legendary UFC career has come to an end. But again, we talked about this on Between the Links. That is his decision to make, and I-, I know I sound like a broken record at this point, but he looks pretty good against Uriah Hall. Like, he looked pretty good in that fight. Like, if that was a co-main event, he might have, at worst, lost a split decision, and you can argue he would have won that fight if it was a three-round fight. But listen, that's one of those rabbit hole topics the what ifs that we could break down and talk about forever but if it is it for anderson silva what a career started off 16 and 0 in the ufc longtime middleweight champion the last eight years or so not particularly ideal but uh no doubt one of the best ever for sure and you take a look at uriah hall this is a guy who at 36 years of age he's won three in a row he's a top 10 guy at 185 and now adds the biggest name to his resume so it's gonna be interesting to see what is next for him i think him and Derek brunson would be a good fight i like kind of like the chris weidman ideal for being honest i i, I know ideal idea idea sometimes in massachusetts we like combine words but that one makes absolutely no sense but i like the chris weidman idea okay they fought a long time ago on the regional scene i think it was uriah hall's fifth professional fight so you get a little bit of a storyline there i think weidman's ranked ninth hall's ranked 10th Weidman's a good name. I like that idea if they can make that happen. But overall, with UFC Vegas 12, the the card was entertaining. There's a lot of finishes. Bryce Mitchell 
gets his fifth UFC win, remains undefeated, defeated Andre Feely. He continues to roll, camo shorts and all, but it was a, it was a fun card. A lot of finishes, a lot of good stuff, but there's a lot that has come out of the last couple of weeks. One thing that people brought up to me about Between Links is why did you not talk about Habib Nurmagomedov, Dana White saying he might come back and go 30-0. It's a little too premature to talk about that. I mean, we just gave this guy his potential send-off and to come back and talk about it a week later without actually hearing from Habib. Didn't really want to jump on that that quickly. I would venture to guess. I, I feel pretty confident that we will talk about it on this Monday on Between the Links, but Another big topic that came out of the event on Saturday and from Dana White, he reveals that Israel Adesanya is not fighting Robert Whitaker. He's not fighting the winner of Jack Hermanson versus Darren Till to defend his middleweight title. No, he's going up to 205 pounds to challenge Jan Blachowicz for the light heavyweight title. Wow. I'm not surprised by it. And I've said many times before, I I think Whitaker's timeline is going gonna, is gonna to hurt him here in getting the next shot because I know Adesanya wanted to turn around relatively quickly but for Dana White to come out and say that Robert Whitaker didn't want the fight it just doesn't seem like that's the case at all and we're going to have more on that later on in the program for sure but the timing was crazy because you get Tiago Santos and Glover Teixeira fighting this Saturday that seemed like a number one contender fight at 205 and what does that main event fight even mean now so it's just crazy there's just so much going on in the sport let's get to the fighters themselves and Hear what they have to say. So wrapping us up, speaking of Israel Adesanya, one fighter that got the champ's attention while he was enjoying the card this past Saturday, Kevin Holland will join us. We did drop that chat on Wednesday, a day early, but if you missed it, you'll hear from the Trailblazer after his fourth win of 2020 over Charlie Ontiveros at UFC Vegas 12. See where he may go from here. Always enjoy talking with Kevin Hahn. Lauren Murphy's going to join us once again. If you missed that, if you missed the conversation I had last week with Cynthia Calvillo a few days ago, she had a lot to say about Lauren Murphy taking the fight against Lilia Shakarova because they were originally scheduled to fight at UFC 254. She wanted to rebook that fight with Lauren and now Cynthia's fighting Caitlin Chukagan on November 21st at UFC 255. And I want to get Lauren's reaction to all that, where she goes, plus... She has made some changes in her career. She was very open and honest about the business of MMA and some hurdles she's had to overcome. So you'll hear more about that change that she's made coming up later on in the program. What an impressive UFC debut it was for Adrian Yanez this past Saturday. He knocks out Victor Rodriguez in vicious fashion. Walk-off kick. It was picture perfect, but he got himself that elusive first UFC win. Got himself a bonus. And we'll check in with one of the Brighton up-and-comers at 135 pounds. Bantamweight is just absolutely ridiculous. So we'll get Yana's reaction to the victory and where he goes from Saturday night in around 20 minutes or so. But first, let us check in with the former UFC middleweight champion of the world, Robert Whitaker. The man picked up a big win over Jared Cannonier at UFC 254 in the co-main event. And it seemed like he was in line for the rematch with Adesanya. And then, as we spoke about just a few moments ago, that is no longer the case. So I wanted to get Bobby Knuckles on the show. A lot of people reaching out saying, get Robert Whitaker. We got him. He's here on What the Heck for the very first time. All right, we have made it happen, ladies and gentlemen. A lot of people hit me up lately saying, Mike, you got to get Robert Whitaker on the show. And man, we made it happen. I appreciate it very much. A lot to discuss with the former middleweight champion of the world. It has been a minute, Robert Whitaker. How are you, sir? I'm good. I'm good. It's good to be here. Great to have you here. The last time you and I spoke, it was before the Derek Brunson fight. So it's been around four years, and I'm happy we could reunite all these years later. But 
First things first, great win in the co-main event of UFC 254. Very tough guy in Jared Cannonier. You have two straight wins now. First off, give us your thoughts on the performance and, and the kind of fight it was because obviously the big story became Habib finishing Gaethje and then subsequently retiring. But your fight with Jared was really fun, really entertaining, and, and you looked fantastic. What did you think of your performance overall? Yeah, I'm very, um, I'm very happy with it. I, uh, me and my team, I'm, I have a great team, and we worked a game plan diligently over the weeks and months leading up to the fight. In the fight itself, it worked flawlessly. I had the discipline to stick with it. So I was, I was very happy with the execution of the game plan and my performance as a whole just in, in the fight itself. Um, uh, you know, I, I love to make exciting fights. I love to, to have fights that are back and forth and exciting and, and look good. And, you know, I feel that fight ticked those boxes. Yes, I would agree with that. Jared was was landing those leg kicks early on, but you were able to sort of walk through that fire. I thought you won the first round. It was kind of up in the air on Twitter, but third round was wild because you had him badly, badly hurt with that quasi Robert Whitaker-esque combination that always seems to land. This one landed in a big way. I thought the fight was going to be over. The man is able to survive and even had you in some trouble in the third. Are you just like, you got to be kidding me right now. How is this man still in this fight right now i wasn't in trouble mate <laughs> there was no trouble uh yeah it was a it was a resilient guy i knew he was a resilient guy i knew he was tough so um i i had to temper myself and and you know roll with that when i was in the position of, of trying to finish him and and then just just the it, it's a fight it's a fight you know that that's what happens there's ups and downs and flows and ebbs and it's crazy what has been really great to see over these last couple of fights is just how free you are in there, not just in the cage, but out of it. You're, you're marching to the beat of your own drum, so to speak. You're just so happy. You're loving the sport for the <laughs> most part anyways, more on that in a moment. But what has been the key for you? Because especially during these crazy times, folks need some inspiration, some positivity. How have you been able to get yourself in such a good place these days? Yeah, you know, I, I'm very happy where I am right now. I, I, a big thing was just decluttering what was up here, de just taking everything away, freeing my space, like giving myself a blank canvas and then just slowly, slowly adding things on organized in an organized way. And, and just being able to do that mentally has just freed up so much space. Everything feels organized. Everything is exactly as you said. I'm, I'm, I'm marching to the beat of my own drum. I'm doing my own thing. I'm doing what I want. I'm enjoying it. And, uh, yeah, I'm I'm in a really good place right now. I, I guess this whole year, for me in particular, or and I think probably for a lot of people, it's just been about soul searching. It's about about spending time by yourself. It's a it's about find. Uh, it's about like exploring the the inner depths of 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 what you enjoy, what you want to do, how you handle certain situations, why you handled them the way they uh, the way you did. It's a uh, when I was when when I was working on it, it was a bit too much, to be honest. <laughs> but, really? But yeah, but here here I am, you know, a happy man. What was kind of the most interesting thing you found within yourself during during that time? Because I mean, when when you're alone, a lot of ways to think and go down so many different rabbit holes. But you know, mm. what was the thing that you were just like, man, this is a I didn't really know this about myself. Yeah, I'm just a, I'm just a pain in the ass. <laughs> I, I annoy myself, so I can't I can't imagine what my wife and kids put up with. <laughs> yeah, I'm, yeah, I guess like I'm just I'm just a little askew from the normality line, you know. I'm just a little off it, and uh, I make myself laugh. That's it. That's, that's all it is. Yeah, I mean, if you can't make, if you can't be happy around yourself, then 
You know what I mean? Especially during mm-hmm. this time, you got to be able to be around yourself a little bit. But uh, that great attitude carries over into your post-fight scrum at UFC 254. I loved the coffee over crystals comment. I was cracking up listening to that. But uh, <laughs> I thought you laid it out perfectly. And listen, you said it best throughout this, and it's kind of created this whole you know, misunderstanding here. You said, essentially, I'm down to fight Israel Adesanya in the rematch of the middleweight title, but I want to have Chris with my family. I have a child that's about to join us in the world. I would like my time to do that. And then in March or April, I'd be happy to fight. And initially my thought was, all right, Robert's going to do that. We got Hermanson versus Till coming up. If the winner of that can turn around relatively quickly, you can do Adesanya versus the winner of that fight. And then the winner can fight you. Might be April, May, June, but that seemed like it would be okay with you. And then on Saturday, Dana White said that you flat out just didn't want to fight Israel Adesanya. And now he's going to go up to 205 and fight Jan Blachowicz for the light heavyweight title which the timing of that announcement was just so weird to me, Robert. So let me ask you this. Was that fight ever offered to you? Like officially, was there a date attached to it or did he just completely misconstrue what you said? Yeah, that fight was never offered to me. There, there wasn't even talks up in the air. There was no, no correspondence at all. And I guess that's, that's the, the most confusing factor. And then the, the most annoying part about the whole mess is just that there was no discussion. There was no communication. There was no dialogue. And, and you know that that's an that's annoying. Um, yeah, he yeah he twisted my words around. It's I think because he had his own designs and the UFC. When I say he, I mean like him and the UFC as a, as an organization. I understand that Dana White doesn't personally want to do things, right? Um, or maybe he does. Who knows? But um, the. I think they wanted that fight. That 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 that's a money fight for them. I think that's a fight they wanted to push, and that's the only reason I can I can see that. The only fight that makes sense for me, and I was very verbal and, and open about it, is like I want to fight Adesanya. It's the only fight I want. I just don't want it around Christmas. I have things on, <laughs> like, and that, that that was the biggest thing for me uh, after the after the fight and the conferences and the media and stuff is just getting my timeline out there, understanding and letting people know that yes, I want this fight. This fight is the only fight that makes sense to me. It's a fight that I earned. The, the title fight is my right after beating Jared because that's that's the type of fight it was. It was a contender fight. So that's the fight I earned. Uh, but I I have I have to be there for my my family and my and my kids and my unborn you know my the the newest member that's going to be joining my family in January. That that that's my biggest that's my most the highest priority right now is to get my timeline out there and then I work around that. It is what it is. I guess we gotta we gotta wait and see. Right now, I'm sitting at uh, that's the only fight that still is the only fight that makes sense for me. That Israel fight. That that is the fight that I have a right to. That 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 title fight. I guess I either just I fight him at 185 or I, I meet him up. If he beats Jan, then I go up to light heavy and bash him there. You mentioned, I mean, you're you're in a very good place in the sport. You, you're you're having fun. You're enjoying what you're doing. But is there like a small part of you when things like this happen that wishes you had any other job on the planet? Because with any other job on the planet, your timeline would not be a problem whatsoever. You would mm. get the time off. They would celebrate it. They would give you everything that you needed. But here, it's it's a problem for some reason. Yeah, this this sort of stuff just shits me up the wall <laughs> like it is it is the one part like it, it's it's a part that i do hate about the sport I, I i hate all these political sort of ploys and plans and i i just hate it it's such a pain in the ass like i'm a um i'm a fighter i'm a warrior 
You know, you, you put me up against an opponent. You, you tell me to fight this guy. You, I, I'm happy to do that. Don't get me wrong. I'm not a thug. Like, I'm not just a dude that wants to go bruising and just fighting people. But, like, I am a warrior. This is what I do. This is my trade. But I'm, I don't like dealing with all that. Like, it's very straightforward. It's supposed to be very straightforward. That's why the rankings are there. That's why there's a ladder. That's why it's supposed to be very simple. But they, it's not. You made it as clear as day. Like you could not have laid this out any better, Robert. Like you didn't say, I want out of Sanya, but you got to pay me $10 million to do it. Or the money's got to be right. I want a new contract. I want this or that. You basically said like, give me Christmas and give me the birth of my child. And then I will fight him anytime you want after that. I don't understand what the problem is here. I don't get it. Mate, you and me both. You, <laughs> me, a lot of my fans, a lot of other media, just about everybody else. I don't get it. So, um, but it is what it is. All we can do is is just roll with the punches. I'm still going to enjoy Christmas and the birth of my child and then worry about the, the rest afterwards, see what Adesanya and Jan's doing and take it from there. How do you think he matches up with Jan? Like the odds have him as a, as a pretty hefty favorite, but you know Jan's been on a tear as of late and he's one of the more like underrated fighters in 2020. He just finished Dominic Reyes, which is massive. How do you like Israel's chances in that fight? I think I – think, Jan is one of the most underrated fight, fighters. Like, I think he's a great fighter, but I just don't think he matches up very well against Israel. I think Israel would have to be a heavy favorite. I think Israel, he's a big guy to begin with. He's a tall guy, and he has a very high caliber skill set to fight Reyes. Um, I, I would have to say like Israel's got some of the best striking in the world. He's just, you know, and then you give him the physical attributes he does have, the experience, and I think he beats uh, Jan, but... Like I said, I think Jan is one of the most underrated fighters in the world, as well as he hits like a truck. That changes fights. We'll have to wait and see. Sure does. At this point, do you feel like Hermanson and Till, especially if Hermanson wins, like that might be next for you at this point? Like I know you deserve Israel, and that should be the only fight, but are, are you even interested in anything else at this point? There is no fight that interests me other than a, a, a title fight of some sort. Um, I've earned it. That's that's my right. That's the uh, that's yeah. That's the next step for me. That's the interest. Apart from that, not really. So it's just. I mean, it's it's not about like staying active. It's give me the title fight at this point. Like even if you have to wait till like June, July, August to get it, you're fine with that. Oh, well, that's a long time. <laughs> <laughs> you know, <laughs> you have to. I don't know. The fight for a belt somewhere. There you go. I mean, well, listen, first things first, your dad role is going to expand a little bit more. Mm. Is this, was this, this going to be number four for you? It is. It is. Masako. God, <laughs> God bless you, man. Is it a boy or a girl? You know yet? It's another boy. Three boys and a girl now. Wow. That's yeah. great. Yeah, good for you, man. I have one, and that's uh, that's plenty for me, man. Good for you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> two's two's not so bad. I'll give this to you. Like, so one one's a change. Two's not so bad. Three is devastating, and I assume I assume everything after three is just downhill anyway. Oh, you're totally outnumbered now. <laughs> <laughs> the chaos is fun, but it is fun. Yeah, once they. You know, and they're babies, they're cute, they don't sleep, they're cute, and then they start talking, and then they start talking back, and then you're just like, oh my god, and you have to deal with four they, of them. They make me laugh, they make me laugh, and that that honestly is worth its weight in gold. For sure, man. Um, last thing I wanted to get to, 
Anderson Silva may have just had his final UFC fight this past Saturday, finishing the fourth round by Uriah Hall. But man, at 45 years of age, he looked pretty darn good in that fight. Like physically, he looked like he did 10 years ago. He was very competitive in that fight for a little while until he got dropped in the third round. But somehow the two of you just never had the chance to cross paths in the octagon over the last eight years since you've been there. So what did you think of Anderson's potentially final fight and uh, what he's done to help make this division what it is today. We, we never cross paths because we're like a decade, uh, like difference in age. <laughs> you know, like as I was, I'm young and going up, he's, he's getting old and, and down. <laughs> and like, I don't know how to say that in like <laughs> a non insulting way. Like, cause I have the utmost respect for him, but age gets everybody. It gets everybody. I like it doesn't matter how good you look. It, it gets everybody, and you can see that in him. You can see that his his timing's half a second off. He can't take the shots like he could when he was younger. He doesn't hit quite as hard. It's um and Anderson Silva back in his prime, he couldn't get touched, and when he got touched, he barely got and he shrugged off everything. He was unstoppable. He was uncanny. It's um, but it required the perfect balance of like youth. And, and and physical attributes and talent, whereas now like he his experience and, and talent is obviously there. You can see that in his fight. That's why he's still competitive. That's why he's still doing so well. But his youth and his his physical attributes uh, have declined a little bit. And when you're fighting top top caliber dudes, top top tier guys like young, hungry, physical like look at the specimen of of your eye hall. Like you're fighting a dude that is in like the prime of his physical. Uh, you know abilities and with the talent to go with it it's just it's scary you know he's just he's just gotten old you know I, I i don't know if that sounds rough saying it like that but like he has like what do you want me here what do you want me to say like 45 is a new 30 nah <laughs> nah dude <laughs> so I, I, not in this game <laughs> fair to say fair to say we won't be seeing you in there at 45 Hell no. <laughs> like, this game is stressful. I, that's another thing. I don't, these guys had fight like up and like throughout the, the early, late thirties, early forties. Like it is, this game never gets easier. Every fight never gets easier. The, the stresses and the, the nerves are always there. Like always. I don't know why they just keep throwing themselves into this game, it is crazy. Like in my opinion, you know, I have a soft cap, and I'm going to obviously go on on how my body feels. But if I start getting knocked out and start getting and start losing, my health comes first. I'm going to just bow out. Are you just kind of waiting for that, or do you have you thought about that at all, like time frame wise? Like just be like, listen, I'm going to do it till here, and then I'm then I think I've had enough. Yeah, I've got a soft cap of 35. Okay, I've got a soft cap. So um, if my body's really good and I'm still performing and everything's flowing, I'll push it. But otherwise, but if I'm not, then I don't know there's heaps of other exciting shit I do. Oh yeah, <laughs> like what? Like what? Like, play with my kids, really. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> that's that's like, what's important. Yeah, and like if let's let's say like I'm not performing as well as touch wood, I'm not performing as well as I want to at 35. Then you know I'm going to be in the prime physique. To, to still run circles around my kids, which sounds like a pretty good gig. Yeah, that's about as good as it gets right there. So, Robert, I appreciate the time, man. Obviously, kind of crappy situation that you're in right now as the number one guy and 
you could be waiting for a little bit to fight for the belt. But last thing on this, because my initial thought when this all went down, I was like, this is Dana White, like playing games right now. Like Dana White's trying to get Robert off, off the couch and being like, you know what? I hear what you say, Dana. I'm going to take this fight right now. I, 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 that's what my initial thought was. Do you believe that this fight's going to happen between Adesanya and Blahovich? Or do you think he's saying that to try to get you going here? It's hard to say, but I'll tell you right now, I'm not fighting before March. <laughs> like I got too much shit on. Like, <laughs> 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 like uh, Christmas and then I got my, my new baby. Like there's nothing that'll get in the way of that. I mean, it's so clear. There's, there's, it's so clear. Like very few fighters actually lay out an exact timeline of how their next fight's going to go. And you've done that and you're getting punished for it. But I appreciate you talking all about it, man. It's, uh, yeah. Kind of sucks, but uh, it is what it is, man. Congratulations on the win. Silver linings to end this conversation. And uh, have a great holiday and, and enjoy the, the birth of child number four, man. No, thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be on. The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. There he is, Robert Whitaker, clearly frustrated, clearly over the politics of mixed martial arts. And let's be honest, is he moving up to fight Jan Blachowicz? It's a big deal, but is it a bigger fight than the Whitaker rematch? Maybe. I mean, you can make the argument for for both, and I'm not going to say you're wrong, but the man literally laid out a timeline. He wanted to spend Christmas with the family, the birth of his fourth child coming up in January, and he wanted to fight in March or April. It's as clear as it can get. It's not like he's demanding more money or wants like all these different perks in his contract. He said, like, okay, I'll fight for the belt. I'll fight Adesanya, but it's got to be in March or April. Like, here's why. I just don't get it. I don't get the whole he doesn't want to fight thing. I don't know why Dana White keeps throwing that out. He said about Dustin Poirier with the Tony Ferguson stuff. Like, of course the man wants to fight. 
Of course he wants to fight for the title. He just wants to do it on his time. I, I don't see anything wrong with that. The whole thing is just crazy to me, but thank you to Robert Whitaker for coming on the program and, and giving his side of things as we move ahead to a man who had a very impressive Octagon debut this past weekend, a highlight reel knockout win over Victor Rodriguez in Las Vegas. Let's check in with Adrian Yanez right now on What the Heck. All right, let's say hello to one of the big winners from this past Saturday night's UFC Vegas 12 event, an incredible knockout win over Victor Rodriguez. Welcome to the UFC, Adrian Yanez. That was quite the introduction. How are you, sir? Man, I'm doing very, very, very well, man. I'm super excited, man. It's, I'm still on cloud nine, man. Still on cloud nine. Yeah, I mean, you go in there, you get the quick finish, highlight real fashion, got a bonus to boot. I know you're typically a very self-critical person when it comes to fights, but that's how most people in the sport are. But you probably have to dig pretty deep to find anything wrong with that performance. Is that accurate? Uh, a little bit, man, but I, I, I kind of relaxed a little bit too much on the cage. Uh, I should have I turned off a little bit more. Uh, and then also, I kind of got a little content uh, at one, one spot, and I didn't move my head as much. Uh, he threw an overhand right. Uh, Caught me on my neck, not on the head though. But uh, I, I'll still find, I'll still find, I'll still find something to critique, man. I'll still find something. Man. But it was a great performance. It was a great performance. All right, what are you grading it? What are you giving yourself a grade? Uh, I give myself, I give myself, uh, man, it, it's somewhere between a B plus and A minus, man. All right, yeah. that's that's better than I thought you were gonna say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no. Because I, I, I had to take myself away from it for a little bit. And I'm, but uh, I kind of wish I would have caught, caught it with the chin instead of the foot, man. Because, man, uh, my pinky toe's been hurting. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what, what a road it has been for you. I mean, getting the contract on the Contender Series. And, you know, I, I've talked to enough of them at this point to know that some of them get to this point and it's like the dream was already accomplished for them like right then and there in that moment like dana white says come up and get your contract They're like i did it and they sort of rest on their laurels you are taking the opposite approach clearly does it feel more real to you now that you had your first fight and you got that first win out of the way man it it, it was it was weird because i just felt like at home like I, I didn't i felt at at home as soon as i got there it was this weird type of feeling of like like I, I knew I belonged, and it was like, uh, of course, I'm not gonna get comfortable. It's a, uh, I'm at home, but I'm not, I'm not gonna ever gonna get comfortable with the, with the position I'm in. Like, yeah, of course, I got signed, I got a contract, and everything. Uh, but man, like, to be in the UFC, a lot of people get content. They get into the UFC, and they're just like, I'm here, cool. They just want the name, they want the brand, they want the like, oh, I'm a UFC fighter. They want this. I don't want to just be a UFC fighter. I want to be a great fighter that, like, I don't have to be correlated with the UFC, uh, if that makes sense. I want, I want, like, like anytime someone brings up Anderson Silva, like, you'll know who Anderson Silva is. That's why I want people to know me, and I want to be up there making waves, like, in the top ten. I don't just want to be in the UFC because it's in the UFC. I want to be one of the best in the world, and that's how I am keeping my mentality for this for this now that i'm in the uc like i had it before the uc is like i, I want to be top 10 top 10 eventually fighting for the belt man that's that's my goals man and i'm, I'm gonna keep striving for it man so that's what keeps my keeps me level-headed towards this 
I mean, you mentioned Anderson Silva. It was a, like perfect timing for this debut. I mean, this could have very well been the last time we see him in the UFC. I, I don't want to even want to get into how I feel about that whole situation, but still, you know, you're debuting on potentially his final fight. That's got to mean something, right? Oh, uh, it means the world to me, man. Like, it, I, I, I can only just keep uh, keep harping at the fact, man, that like he's one of the greatest greatest to ever do it in the sports and mixed martial arts and everything. Uh, so. To me, I look at it and like for him, this possibly being his last fight, his retirement fight, and me debuting, I just feel like there's a there's a correlation, man. It's like uh, it's like meant to be. Uh, one legend retires, maybe maybe one's uh, debuting. So that's how I'm taking it as, man. So uh, I that's how I'm taking it as, man. Uh, I would love just to see because, man, I, I'm. As a fan, I never want to see see anybody walk away. Like I wish he was still in his prime, still doing what he was doing. But you know, it, it's it life is different. So I I would just want to see him go go out with all those wits. It's cra- it was crazy to like watch him because he looked exactly the same. Like he's forty five years old, but he looked incredible. And you can argue that before he got dropped in the third round. He was people. I think you might have been winning that fight. It's just crazy to see. It's not like he's getting run over by anybody, you know? Yeah, yeah, man. I, I, I had him. I had him two zero. I had him two zero just because of the activity and everything. He was controlling uh, that third round. I, I believe he was controlling that point until he got dropped at the end of it. Uh, and then that fourth round, I just kind of felt, man, it was going to happen. But man, he was. Yeah, he looked really good. I, 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 just, I was looking at things and I was like, oh, he's, he's getting. He's getting he's getting loose. He's getting open. Uh, but man, I, I as, as much as it says, man, as as much as I want to say, yeah, please stay in it. I'm just like, hey, I think it is perfect time for him just to hang it up. He has all his wits, man. Uh, he's he's a legend. I don't want him to become like one of these the one of the people that stays in it for too long, man. That's that's one thing I hate seeing. Just that one person who just you know just just can't get out of it, man. That. So I'd rather him just see where he's at now uh, and just keep it that way. <laughs> so you, you were originally supposed to fight Aaron Phillips on this card, and this fight got booked pretty quickly after the Contender Series win. How long after you got the contract to to be a UFC fighter on the Contender Series did you put pen to paper for this debut fight? Uh, man, it, it, w- it was like for the actual contract for my first uh, official fight? Yeah. Or, okay, yeah, that, that one... Honestly, like once I got back home, I got back home on Wednesday and like I fought Tuesday, uh, talked to my manager on that same night. He's like, yeah, just tell me whenever you're ready. I got back. I got back home. It was actually right before I took off from my flight back home. I was like, you know what? I'm feeling good. My hand's great. He's like, let's just go. Put me in. Put me in. And then by that, by that night, he calls me, he calls me uh, like, it was at my time. It was 12, 12 o'clock. It was midnight for me. So whenever I got that call, I was like, "He was like, yeah." He's like, "We got a guy, Aaron Phillips." He's like, "Yeah, I'm good. Let's go." He's like, woke, "Like woke me up from my sleep," and I was like, "Yeah, I'm ready to go." So was October 31st was the date. Uh, part of me was kind of like, "Hey, man, let's go sooner. Let's go sooner." But I'm kind of, I'm like really glad that it. We ended up taking October 31st and just waited and trained and was able to train efficiently. So. That was a blessing. So, yeah, it was like literally like the next day. That's crazy. When did you find out that Aaron was out of the fight and that Victor was in? Was there some time in between where they were trying to find somebody for you? Uh, it was like uh, I think he had pulled out like 
like two weeks, two weeks, uh, two weeks, and then by the next day, like they had me an opponent. Like I found out like on a Monday or a Tuesday that that I think it was a Monday that he pulled out, that Aaron Phillips pulled out, and then after that, they ended up finding me a replacement. I actually messaged my manager. He was like, "Yeah, they're working on it right now." Actually, matter of fact, I just got a name, Victor Rodriguez. He's like, "I'll take him." I was like, first guy, they, first guy they threw at me. I was like, I'll take him. It's like there was, like, on my end, on me answering. I was like, man, I, I would have said yes to the first person, whoever they said. I was, I was cool. I was with it. So uh, that was the first person, and that's how it happened. The game is so different than it was like a decade ago. So did you have to make a lot of changes at all, or is it more about you know what you're doing rather than what your opponent has done in the past? Because evolution happens so quickly in this game, it's almost hard to like go back and watch past fights because you could be fighting a completely different guy when you get in there. Oh yeah, man, that's why a lot of times, uh, well, especially this is honestly what happens to me happened to me so much on the regional circuit. Uh, this is why, like, whenever you look at my tapology page and you see like all of, like the canceled bouts, if you look, if you look at the fights, it's usually because like the canceled bouts, it's usually because they pulled out. It wasn't me ever really pulling out. There was a couple times where I pulled out due to injuries, but it's it's mostly been other people pulling out, and like there's nothing I can do about that. Uh, so this was just more one of the same that like when Aaron pulled and that Victor step in to me, it was like, well, I've been training my whole entire life, like. Uh, I've been training like my whole since I was a teenager. I was like, man, I'm, this this doesn't bother me. It's like I've like I've had people switch on me, switch opponents like a week of before. So it's been pretty crazy uh, at that at that point. But at this like in the UFC level, I just knew that they were gonna find me somebody, and I was just like, well, this whole training camp wasn't about the other fighter. It's always been about me and what I do and what I do best. So it wasn't really too much of a, uh, it wasn't really too much of, how can I say it, like a, too much of a switch. It was just more me just being me. Also, what helped me out is that I saw his last fight and I saw some tendencies that he had. Uh, what little bit tricked me out is that he came out in orthodox because his last fight he came out southpaw. So it was, I knew that he would like to switch, but whenever he stayed a little bit more in orthodox for me, I was like, no, you just made it way easier for me. You just made it super way easier for me, and then then everything just happened the way it happened. Having the fight in the same building as your contender series fight was it was it comforting to you, or is it kind of a bummer because you've probably been picturing your first walk to the octagon for years in front of a crowd and friends and family, like, and you did the empty arena thing once again. What, like, what did you think of that experience? Was it a little more relaxing for you knowing that you just fought there? It was more relaxing for me just because I fought there, but I also did like the. Uh, I got upgraded to a room this time because last time I was in that open area, but this time I had my own room, so my own little locker room. So I was, I was to me, I was having a blast back there. I was having a blast, just getting ready for the fight. Uh, you know, I was like, oh man, they have like wall mats and everything. The last time before, like they just gave us a big, big mat space, uh, no wall, like no nothing to do off the wall. It's just that big whole area, uh, so. I was, I was, I was just really happy that I got back, and I was actually had like a nice, decent sized locker room. I was like, man, this is pretty nice. But, uh, but yeah, no, uh, it, I was having fun, man. Whenever I was there, it was all, it was all, it was all great for me. I'm so used to having the audience, but at the same time, the the missing of the audience, man. It, I don't know, I don't know what it was was about it. But I just felt really, really comfortable, really zoned in. These last two times that I fought with no crowd. I was so zoned in. So I don't know if that has to do with the crowd or just me just being super focused on what's in front of me. Uh, 
you know, even in my fight before with Kyle Estrada, it, it might be due to the audience or whatever, but I was super zoned in when I fought Kyle that I'm not really, I wasn't really too sure about what's going on around me, but I could hear the, the, the crowd and the cheers, uh, and I, and like in the tough spots, you know, I guess it would help get me through. But this time around, since like these last two finishes that I had, like I was just super zoned in and was not influenced by anything on the outside. It was just like my coach, my coaches and his coaches. And it was just us in the middle, just, just fighting. It was, it was pretty cool. I like it. I like it a lot better, but also I can't wait until I have to get that experience of me knocking somebody out and just hearing the crowd just roar. That's one thing that I'm waiting for next. You know, I wanted the, the knockout and then like the silence. And I've had that twice already. Now it's time for, now I'm just ready to hear the crowd roar. Did you hear Brendan Fitzgerald and Michael Bisbing screaming after you landed that kick and finished the fight? Because it was perfect. I know you, you landed with the toe and your pinky toe hurts a little bit, but you threw it right as he was circling. He runs right into it. The timing was beautiful. Could you hear those guys going crazy? You might not have heard him during the fight, but like after it was over, did you hear them yelling and screaming? Yeah, I, I just heard everybody yelling and screaming. Like, it, it was like, it was more like you, after like, uh, like you, you heard like 10 or 15 people were, were like, oh, wow. Like, I just heard around, but my first instinct was to, to automatically turn to Dana White and be like, hey, man. <laughs> <laughs> that was my first instinct. Uh, and what, what helped out was whenever after I, like, after I landed and Herb was, uh, like, I was already walking off, but Herb still kind of pushed me off. And, I walked, and first person I see is Dana, so I started doing the money sign, like, hey, what's up? Uh, so after that, like, I kind of just walked over to my corner and just, I really didn't hear, like, I, I just heard the, like, people, people, but I didn't really pay attention to who it was coming from. I just walked to my corner, and it was just like, like hey, we did it. <laughs> did Dana say anything to you? Uh, he, he just looked at me once I did the, 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 like, I was like, is that 50 G's worthy? Doing the, like, he's like, hey, is that 50 G's worthy? And he just looks at me, he's like, yeah. <laughs> and I was like, all right. So I walked on. So, yep. And I think I have a good feeling I'm getting it today. And you sure did. Uh, and with that, a little bit of uh, some momentum, clearly a lot of excitement surrounding you after these last two fights. You logged a little over three minutes of cage time. How soon do you want to get back in there and keep this train rolling, man? Man, it, it honestly depends. It honestly depends. I know my 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 November is like, like man, like I have a lot of things going on for November. Uh, we have we got people getting ready for their own fights. Uh, you know, Texas starting to open up, uh, especially in the combat sports. So uh, I would want to fight December nineteenth. I like December nineteenth, the week before Christmas. To me, that's perfect timing. Uh, but also, if that's not possible, I don't mind waiting until January, like the end of January, beginning of February. Uh, that that area so i can still get one in and it'll still be pretty soon because i do want to stay relatively active like i don't want to take no large breaks so i want to get back in i want to get back in there so in a perfect world december december 19th but if not i'll wait till january january february you know still being in the realm of being and being active so just depends just depends uh I don't want to fight uh, around Christmas. I don't want to fight like during the Christmas times or during the New Year's times just because I know everything's going to be hectic and everything. But, man, a uh, week before Christmas would be great. Yeah, the man's got to eat too, you know? Can't can't keep oh, you away from all. Oh, yeah, wait for <laughs> man. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, I'm going to have to deal with uh, Thanksgiving with that too, man. Then I have my uh, best friend's wedding here, here pretty soon. So I'm just like, ah, oh, man, there's a lot of things going on, man. I, you mentioned how 
it was kind of the meant to be that you and Anderson were on the same card. I thought it was interesting that you and Miles Johns both fought on this card. You both got bonuses. He was the last person to, to pick up a win over you. That was a very close fight. It could have gone either way back in 2018. Fight game just works in mysterious ways sometimes, doesn't it? Oh, yeah, yeah, man. It was, it was, it was, really, it was really cool, man. It was really, really cool. I mean, I was, I was seeing him during a fight week every once in a while. I uh, ran into him. I was like, yo, what's up, man? How you doing? You doing good? And he's like, yeah, but it's a man ready, ready to weigh in and everything. I was like, man. I can see that. <laughs> so, so uh, yeah, no, real, real cool guy, man. Uh, especially, especially outside, outside the cage, really cool guy, uh, man. He really deserved to pick up that win. Uh, you know, especially against a tough fighter like Kevin uh, uh, Natividad. I, I don't know how to, if I butchered his last. You name, got it, man. You got it. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, like a lot of these people from the outside looking in are not going to see how how impressive that knockout was because that knockout that he hit him with like it looks impressive but they don't understand how tough that guy actually was because that guy is was a, is definitely tough he knocked out Kyle Estrada whenever I didn't you know I was like uh taking a look at that so you know he did he 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 knocked out a, a, le- a legit fighter he knocked out a legit fighter so uh man he's the dude's good the dude's good do you think they'll uh, maybe entertain running that one back? Man, I wouldn't mind running anything back. I wouldn't mind running anything back with any of my losses. So uh, it, it, it all it all depends, man. It all depends. I, I, at this point, I really don't care who I fight. Honestly, like just just sign me up for another one. <laughs> we have um we have a matchmaking show on MMA fighting. It's called On to the Next One, and we usually. You know, we try to predict the future for the main card, maybe the future prelim winner, and then we pick like a wild card choice based off anybody we haven't picked. So I picked you because I wanted to see more, as does a lot of other people, I'm sure. But I thought a fun scrap would be you and Tony Kelly. He's coming off his first UFC win, fight of the night in his debut up a weight class. That'd be a good one for the fans, man. It'd be like a tornado of destruction. That would be just a lot of fun. (laughs) Oh yeah, anybody can and we'll get it, man. <laughs> I have no problem with anybody. Look, man, uh, I I don't know how anybody is outside the cage, man, but we can be friends. We can be friends. We can be enemies. Whatever, whatever you want. Uh, it's just no. Whenever we step in the cage, it's all business. And when we step out, we can have a beer or something, man. I don't care. Uh, but that that's that's just how I am, man. That's just how I am. I anybody can and we'll get it. Uh, after the fight, man, we can grab a beer or something, man. It doesn't it don't matter. Unless you don't like me after it. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> Spoken like a true professional right there. I um, I was reading an interview earlier today you did with Thomas Gerbasi, and you said that since the Contender Series win, you just continued to rock Contender Series gear. Are we going to switch the wardrobe a little bit to the Fight Kid stuff, some UFC stuff, now that uh, we, we got a victory here? That gets put into rotation. <laughs> that gets put into rotation. So uh, now I have a little bit more to switch in between. All right, I don't have to be constantly washing uh, my my clothes every two or three days, man. I I can actually be like, all right, cool. I can let the dirty laundry pile up. But man, yeah, it, it's cool, man. I'm actually rocking one of the, some of the sweatpants, man. They, they they're super comfortable, man. They're super comfortable. Actually, I got this. The long sleeve too, man. <laughs> the long sleeve, actually. Matter of fact, I got the Dana White Contender series <laughs> right now, man. So yeah, it's been nonstop, man. I'm just, it, and honestly, like, uh, I I I used to look at the like, uh, I used to look at some people who would wear the uh, like the their contender stuff, and I'd be like, or not the contender stuff, but like uh, the UFC stuff, like, and I would I would always be like, man, this. 
Well, just like regular people would wear the UFC stuff. And I'm like, man, it's like, it's like that. That's that's stupid. But now that like I, I'm here, I'm just like, nah, man, where? Like where? Yeah, UFC, UFC, UFC. And I got it. I'm just over here thinking, it's like, man, I wonder if people think, uh, like, like I'm just like, uh, uh, excuse my French, but like a douchebag. <laughs> it was like, cause I'm just out here rocking all this uh, UFC stuff. Like, but like. It's pretty cool to me, man. It's just pretty cool. It also symbolizes kind of something like, man, I worked really hard to get here, so I'm gonna keep, I'm gonna keep wearing it, man. It's like a badge of honor to me, so I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna keep wearing it. There you go. And uh, to kind of build on that before we let you go, you know, you, you went through a lot. It was talked about on the Contender Series, talked about on Saturday as well. The passing of your father in 2016. I can't imagine what that was like for you. You know, being so close to my father, but. Listen, you battled through it. You still realize that dream of getting to the UFC that that you shared with him along the way. And that that's just an amazing story. And this has been a year that has tested everybody's emotions. A lot of people have had some bumps in the road, some devastating things happen along the way. And maybe they had to put their dreams on hold or they just can't get out of their own way because of tragedies they've had to face. So what advice would you give to those folks who might be feeling that way and maybe need a little boost to get back on track? What would you say to those folks? And it, it it's hard, man. It, it really is hard. And and honestly, on, on like my my advice was just always just kind of just face it, man. Like you can't keep putting it off, like because the minute you keep putting it off, man, it's like it'll ache at you and ache at you and ache at you. No matter what you do, like it's it will always be there if you don't face it. You have to face it. Yes, you can't just let it keep running because. Uh, I know whenever I was dealing with it, dealing with uh, everything, it it really like dampered me and who I was, even as just as a person. Like everybody around me can see it. Everybody can see it. Like it, it was bothering me. At least like it took like two two and a half years for me just to even like even just address it, man. And I was going, I was in like living in my own type of like mental like prison. Uh, until I started actually just started reaching out, man. Like it's it's possible you can you can get through it. It's never if, like if you're dealing with a death or something like that. It's it, you will never get over it. You will just be able to find a way to handle it. And then uh, like me, like like me, my father was going through through chemotherapy, going through all of his stuff with uh, cancer. I was like the way the what helps me is knowing that he's not battling or not going through that suffering anymore of, of going through the cancer and that's the way that's what helps me cope with it uh but man it's it's hard you have to do you have to deal with it day by day it's literally seconds minutes hours days months years man it takes a while but you like you just can't you just can't stop man you there's always a light at the end of the tunnel and you always have to keep striving and going towards it because like when you're depressed, the people around you will know. Like and like and this is why you need good people around you, because without the good people around that I had, uh, I don't think I would I would have came this far. I think honestly I was I probably would have been down the down the route of alcoholism and everything and because uh, I was getting to a point of my life in that. Uh so man if you're if if you're out there and you're dealing with something man like i'm praying for you man like this you're not alone man that's another big thing you're not alone just just reach out man that like there's help numbers there's they have a lot of things that go out that are out there that they 
can help you, man. Like, like don't, like don't take advantage. Like don't do. Like don't not take advantage of that because it's all there for you to to use. It's there to help you. And please, like, like don't go through this life depressed, man. This life is meant to be happy. You, you're meant to have adventure. You're meant to go follow what you really want and follow your dreams, man. So just keep after it. Well said, man. Oh, but by the way, a- after the win, I assume you went to your manager's house. Did you get a little collective Iridium team celebration, I, I would assume? Oh, yeah, man. I went over there. Uh, whenever I went after, yeah, it was it was pretty fun. I was out there. It's like... It, like the last time we went, it was just the, the contenders. Then it was a Tuesday night. We went over there. They had some food for us. It was pretty cool. It was a nice little small little thing. But this time, this last time we went, since we had like about four or five uh, Iridium fighters, went there. It was a whole. It was like a. It was like a little party, man. I was. I was had. I had a great time when I was there. As soon as I got there, like they had ordered food for everybody, but I was like one of the last to show up because uh, I went to go pick up my mom, uh, my mom, my girlfriend, my brother, and then we went over to to my manager's house he's like hey what do you want i was like he's like he's like what do you want you want you want mexican food i was, I was like hey man hey <laughs> <laughs> he's like you want, you want a burger what do you want i was like man you know what he's like you want pizza i was like I was like you know what you're right i do want pizza i was like so they ended up ordering me a pizza man it was it was good man i don't know where you got it from but it was pretty good you gave yourself a b plus a minus for your performance what would you grade alex hernandez's suit that night because I saw pictures oh. on Instagram, it was uh, oh. it was like a big checkerboard. Oh yeah, I, I have I have it right underneath the uh, Bruce Buffer suit. <laughs> a plus, I would say uh, Bruce Buffer's is at a plus plus, and and uh, Alex Hernandez is at an A plus, man, just right underneath, man. Yeah, so I was really impressed. As soon as I walked up, I was like, I was like, whoa, that's Alex Hernandez. He was like. You're the guy that almost stole my 50k. I was like, oh, man, I'm sorry. He's like, oh man, sick KO, man. I was like, ah, oh, thank you, man. It was, it was fun. It was a fun night. Great stuff, Adrian. Incredible performance on Saturday. Excited to see what's next for you. Congratulations on everything, and uh, thank you for the time, man. Enjoy it. Enjoy the holidays. Eat some food, brother. No, thank you very much, man. Have a blessed one. The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S., and visit bellator.com slash watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Bay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Really enjoyed that chat. Obviously an up-and-coming fighter. Really good, good guy. Really loved him being so open and honest about 
mental health and depression. I mean, there's obviously a lot of folks out there who have dealt with that a lot this year. So that was great stuff, really timely and looking forward to seeing what is next for one of the bright up and comers at 135 pounds. That division is just so good. Now we're going to check back in with Lauren Murphy. She was on the show a couple weeks ago in Abu Dhabi prior to UFC 254. A lot to unpack with lucky Lauren Murphy from not just UFC 254 and that win over Lilia Shakarova, but going from having all this momentum to now kind of just being on an island. Now that Cynthia Calvillo is fighting Caitlin Chukagan on November 21st. So happy to have Lauren Murphy back on the show. Here she is. All right, we have Lauren Murphy back on the show, and a lot has happened in her world since we last spoke over the last couple of weeks, including her first career submission win at UFC 254 against Lilia Shakarova. A hell of a night for her, but since then, it's been a little bit of a wild ride for lucky Lauren Murphy, so we're happy to have her back on the show to talk all about it. Lauren, how are you? I'm good, man. Thanks for having me on. Still getting the whole car interview thing figured out, so yeah. (laughs) Yeah, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Absolutely. So let's let's start at UFC 254 because, and I've said this many times on our programming, I thought you had an A-plus night. Yeah, it wasn't the fight with Cynthia Calvillo that would have had a, a lot of impact, but you took a big risk, got the win via submission. Then you were on fire on the microphone after the fight in the cage and in the back of the media. And the one thing I've also said, and I've said it to you as well via text, is outside of you going to Valentina Shevchenko's house and smacking her in the face on October 24th, there wasn't any more you could have done. Could that have gone any better for you? No, it was one of the best weeks of my life. Uh, I'm just, I'm so grateful for that week and all the awesome memories that we made. And uh, yeah, it was a super fun night for me. And and um, I don't think you're right. I don't think it could have gone any better. So I'm very happy with it. One thing I've noticed is, you know, you and I have talked a lot over the years. We've talked about how crappy Twitter can be and how negative it can be. And sure, there is still some negativity. But from what I've seen, I think you've gained a lot of momentum from the <laughs> from the Twitter fans. A lot of newbies on board the Lauren Murphy trade. Have you noticed that as well? As well? Well, shitter.com finally gave you some cool <laughs> I don't care. I mean, yeah, Twitter's cool if I want to, like, I don't know. Most of the time I tweet something, I think nothing of it and then it blows up into something that i'm like oh shit i didn't think that was even going to be a thing and then i'll tweet something that i feel is very heartfelt and that i've spent a lot of time thinking about and fucking nobody cares so twitter's a super bizarre community community and uh i'm glad they like me right now but i know that they could change their mind in an instant so (laughs) mma in a nutshell right yeah for sure for sure i mean they say like you're only as good as your last fight and luckily my last fight was awesome so there you go. Um, the face-off that happened the day before the fight after the weigh-ins between you and Lilia, and of course, respect was shown after the fact, but did that make the win a little bit sweeter, her kind of doing the little, the little fake shot at you? Yeah. You flipped her <laughs> off so nonchalantly, but uh, did, that, did, that, did that enhance a little bit more? Yeah, that was so, like, not planned, because I was like, fuck you, get out of my way, nobody's afraid of you, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> and it, it was fine, like, I didn't really take it personally, but um, I knew she was kind of talking some shit about saying I should retire or something like that, and it's like, like, I can, I hear what you're saying, like, I know what you're saying about me, and I, I, I'm not the type of person that, like, I'm not fake, if you say that about me, I'm gonna take it the way you're saying it, you know, I'm not gonna fucking touch gloves with you. When we start the fight, like, I, I don't appreciate those kinds of comments, you know? So, um, I don't know why she, I don't know why she did that. 
I thought it was kind of stupid altogether, you know, like I'm on a, like at the time it was like, I'm on a three fight win streak. I'm on the cusp of a title shot. Like I'm looking better than I've ever looked in my career. Why the fuck would I retire? Do you know? Like, <laughs> so I don't know. Just added a little bit of extra mystique, maybe a little bit of drama. And then you got the win. So it made it a little bit better. So that was a great night for you. You fly home, you're exhausted after going to Abu Dhabi and then things start to take a weird turn on Thursday. I spoke with Cynthia Calvillo, as you would probably suspect. She had a lot to say about you. Doubled down on the not being impressed thing. She was a little salty saying that you could have waited another week to fight her in Vegas instead of taking the, quote, easy paycheck. Then she reveals that she was offered a fight against you on November 21st and that you turned it down. Of course, I reached out to you a little while later, got your side of the story, and now she's booked to fight Caitlin Chukagan at that event. So there's a lot to unpack here. First (laughs) off... For those who didn't see your response that I posted on the website earlier today, were you, in fact, offered a fight with Cynthia on on November 21st? And what happened from, I guess it would have been this past Thursday? Yeah, we talked about, like, I talked to Mick about fighting her on the 21st. And it's like, there's a couple of reasons why that doesn't make sense. But mostly it's because, like, it can't be a number one contender fight. Like, you want me to fight Cynthia? I'm on a four-fight win streak now. Okay, I don't mind turning around and fighting Cynthia, but if we do it November 21st, you already told me Andrade is the number one contender. So even if I beat Cynthia November 21st, then I'm sitting around waiting for um, Maya Chukagian to get fucking figured out, and then Andrade is the number one contender. So I'm gonna sit around and wait for her to fight the number. You know what I mean? The for the next championship and then like months after that so i mean we're talking in the next fucking spring now where i would be fighting for the championship like that doesn't make any sense cynthia took like a fucking week off of her camp she got to stay home she didn't do shit she didn't even fucking quarantine for two weeks like she got to stay home and rest from her camp of course she wants to fight now like i did all the traveling i did a weight cut i did an actual fucking fight like she can fucking wait a week all i wanted was like a fucking week or two you know what i mean I would have turned around and fought her. And in fact, I thought we decided on December 12th. I'm pretty sure we decided on December 12th, but that, that all I think got fucked up like on, on my end because, uh, we started talking to the UFC and it was like, okay, like we'll turn around and fight Cynthia. We started talking about what it would look like to be an alternate on the 21st, like in case Maya doesn't make weight. Like I was like, if anybody's going to be an alternate, it should fucking be me. You know, like I'll turn around and be an alternate because on the other side of that, I might be a fucking champion. Do you know what I mean? I might be able to fight for the UFC title. Cynthia, on the other hand, can fucking wait for two fucking weeks while I get my shit together, rest a little bit. And then I'm in, you know, uh, a top shaped a fighter. Like then it could be a number one contender fight, but the way that to fight her on the 21st, it wouldn't even be a fucking number one contender fight because the timeline would be all fucked up. It just didn't make any fucking sense. And it wasn't in my best interest for sure. And I was like, I'm not going to do Cynthia any fucking favors. Like who's taking the easy way now? You fucking took a completely different fight. Fuck off. I don't know. Anyway, I started talking to the UFC and I just realized like I'm way out of my league negotiating with these guys. These are the best, they are the best businessmen in the world. You know, like the, negotiating with the UFC, I was so far out of my fucking league. Like to them, it it must've been like playing chess with somebody that's just learning how to play checkers. Like I don't, I was way out of my league. And so I was like, fuck, I need to think about this. I need some help. Like looking at these numbers and what does it mean for my career? And I don't, I, I didn't, I never wanted to sign with a management company. I really did not want to sign with a manager, but I signed with first round because I fucking needed help. You know? No kidding. When did that happen? 
a couple days ago, I signed with Lou DeBono. So uh, I was really fucking nervous about it, man. Like, and Lou knows how I, how I feel about managers. I told him, I said, man, I've had three managers in my career. All three turned out to be shitbirds. <laughs> like, like, I just, I'm super nervous about this. But Lou's been a good guy uh, to me and my husband for a while now. We've reached out to him a couple times and, and asked him questions and gotten, you know, sought some guidance before I even ever thought about signing with him. He was always like, and I know one of my coaches is pretty close to him and he manages a couple fighters that are pretty happy with him. And so I reached out to him to see what he would say. And, um, I talked to him for a while and I was like, well, I want to sleep on it. Like, I don't, I don't want to rush into anything. I don't want to rush into a contract with you any more than I fucking want to rush into a contract with anybody else, you know? And, uh, they were just really cool about it. And then uh, I talked to Malky a little bit and Malky obviously knows what he's fucking doing. And it just made me feel a lot better. Like, like talking to those guys. So, um, I ended up signing with them and, and, um, I'll let you guys know how it goes. <laughs> wow. Look at this. We got John Jones, Jorge Mazadal, Yoel Romero, <laughs> Lauren Murphy. All That's right. The same That's umbrella. right. Quite wow. the roster, roster of winners. <laughs> Unbelievable. Well, good for you. I mean, I, I was wondering, like, once you were getting to this point, I, I know that you've been doing stuff on your own. I was wondering if this, something like this would come up and what would happen. So, like, what exactly happened? Like, when you realized that you were out of your league, what what was that conversation like? Do you, it, like, what happened there that led you to getting in touch with Lou and kind of changing gears? It was a series of conversations um, that, like, I started having with Mick after the win, obviously, like, like, I was really happy with my performance. I'm happy with where, I, like, I'm happy with my job, too. That's the other thing is I fucking love to fight. Like, I want to fight, and I want to fight Cynthia. I want to fight Andrage. I want to fight Chukagian again. Like, I do want these fights, you know, but it's hard because, uh, it's hard because, like, I just want to fucking fight, and that's what I'm good at. That's the thing I'm best at in the world. And so I have people around me, like my husband and my coaches, other fighters that I know that have management teams, and I'm kind of seeing what's going on with them, and I'm and I'm hearing, like, you should ask for this. You should go for that. We should try for this. Let's do this. And so when we started talking about being an alternate, it's like, okay, you're you're talking about possibly stepping in to fight for the fucking championship. Like, and this, this was just something, like, I was thinking to myself. It was like, now we're talking about, um, you know, I have, like, whatever contract I'm on with the UFC right now, and then like on top of that we're going to be talking about fighting for the fucking championship these are these are big fucking contracts and like it means something you know and so i was talking to mick about a couple things and it just became apparent to me like through the course of like one or two conversations that, like we're not we're barely even speaking the same fucking language like mick deals with this stuff all day every day with high level contracts with fighters with the ins and outs of the business he knows what the fuck he's doing and uh, it just became apparent really quick that I don't like I can't keep up with those guys and it's not my job. And it was really stressing me out like to to try. I was really stressed about it. And I was talking to my husband. I was like, I don't want to fucking stress. I, would, I will pay somebody to stress about this for me. But it has to be somebody that's good at their job, not somebody that's just going to fucking that's basically working for the UFC, you know. And uh, yeah, so we talked about it and just like my husband and I talked about it. I was like, you know, we got to sign with somebody. And, and I. Lou's, Lou's been really good to us up to this point. He hasn't seemed like greedy or fucking off. He hasn't seemed dishonest. Like he's helped us when we when we needed it, and he didn't have to. So yeah, he's a good guy. He's he's been very good with me over the years. And um, so when they announced when this fight was reported between Calvillo and Kagan, it kind of I'm not gonna say it came out of nowhere because 
I know Cynthia put this post on Instagram saying, who do you want to see me fighting? Chukagan did the raise your hand emoji thing. And Calvillo was very excited about that. You were, you were number one on her list, but if, if it was Chukagan, she was fine with that too. When you found out and saw that report, what were, how did you react to that? I mean, I saw some of the things on Twitter, but how did, you know, what was that like? I woke up and uh, I woke up from a nap and I was like, what the fuck? Like, I thought, I thought I was going to fight Calvillo and I was sad because I wanted that fight. And like, I, I was looking forward to getting four fights in this year, you know, like that would have been cool. And it, it's still possible, obviously, but it's like, it was just really sad, but I don't think that, I don't think it's a number one contender fight. I mean, for them, like, again, how could it be? Like, for one thing, there's me. And then, two, the fucking whole timeline is off. Like, Chukagian's coming off a first-round TKO loss. Like, you can't tell me that's a number one contender fight. But it is good that Cynthia gets to get in there. She gets to make a paycheck and a quick turnaround after getting COVID, you know? So she's kind of doing the same fucking thing. Like, she's just trying to get in there while she can and get in while the getting's good. And then I think either I could fight the winner of that fight or I'll fight Andrade either way like honestly i'm i'm good i fought a lot of times this year i'm very i wasn't even really planning like on turning around and fighting that quick but i would have because that fight had already been booked you know so yeah so it kind of like leaves things like you said a little bit up in the air because like i know like you like you said earlier andrage is somewhat favored to get the winner of shevchenko maya but i just feel like it's such a waste to like have her wait because we don't know how long she'll have to wait for when the two of you are right there ready to go and most people will look at rankings aside you are the top two contenders in this division right now do you feel like in your heart of hearts that Andrade is an option right now or do you think you're gonna have to maybe take a step back to stay active here although that's kind of tough right now because a lot of the women in the top 10 of this division they're already booked they're already booked up yeah I mean yeah, Andrade is definitely an option, and I don't think she, I don't think she's, like, she's not afraid to fight, obviously, and I want to earn my number one contender spot, like, I'm, I'm happy to fucking fight, I'm happy to fight as many times as they want, I'm happy to fight whoever they want me to fight, and, uh, uh like, Andrade would be such a great challenge, she would be awesome, that would be an awesome fucking fight, sorry, am I doing weird things with the camera, I'm getting all excited, and it's kind of, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah no i think Andrade is a great option and uh that's something see but now it's loose problem i don't have to worry about it anymore <laughs> hey a big weight lifted off your shoulders yeah exactly so yeah <laughs> it's it's great to see because like this division is so interesting right now like it's the most interesting it's ever been and you've been there from the very beginning. There's a lot of buzz around the women's flyweight division. You're smack dab in the middle of it, Lauren. So silver linings aside, you don't have a fight right now, but it's got to feel pretty good, right? Like we are as relevant as we've ever been here. Yeah, no, I feel great. I love where I'm at in the division. Like I, like I, I mean, I said it all last, you know, all during fight week on fight Island. Like I love my job. I love what I do. I'm excited to do it. Um, I love the process. Like I love to train and get better. I love to make progress so that every time I fight, it's like I've made so much progress in the areas that I needed to. Um, it was really cool to fight on fight Island and it it was really great to get that experience and just have such a clear cut vision of what I need to work on to make my next fight even better and get a finish even sooner over somebody that's even higher ranked. And, um, yeah, we'll see who that's going to be, but that like I love my job. I love what I do. I'm really excited to be part of the flyweight division and I'm, I'm excited for my own next fight. You know, I can't wait. And when it's announced, people are going to love it. By the way, I think you and your husband may have won MMA Halloween, the back to the future (laughs) costumes. 
<laughs> Unreal. They're I awesome. That's awesome. We love Halloween. Every year we think of it like the best couple's costume we could possibly come up with. And I actually really wanted to rent a DeLorean. And the DeLorean fucking factory is here in Houston. I drive by it all the time, but I just didn't think about it too much before we went to the <laughs> Halloween party. <laughs> that would have been amazing. You would have won Halloween for, for a decade. For years and years, I know. It probably would have cost me about $5,000. <laughs> At least we would have had the bragging rights. <laughs> well, get Lou on it. Get Lou DeBono on it. Lou, Sponsor. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Last thing before we let you go, Lord, I appreciate the time. Uh, I guess, like, what's the message for everybody? The UFC, your division, any and everybody, as we look to put an exclamation point on this really impressive year for you, what do you want to say to everybody? Uh, you know what? I'm still here, and uh, I'm working hard, and I can't wait to, like, I can't wait to, no matter who my next fight is, it's going to be a number one contender fight. Like, so I'm here in this division. I'm a dangerous fight for anybody, and whoever wants it can come get it. Love it. Always appreciate the time. Hopefully something can get put together pretty soon for you. But thank you again. Congratulations on the win. And uh, we'll talk soon. Safe travels home in, in the car there. Maybe it's a DeLorean after all next year. <laughs> You're the man. Thanks a lot. Talk to all you right. soon. Really interesting stuff right there. Very open and honest. I mean, the, the business of MMA, I'm never going to come on this program and say that I actually understand what is going on behind the scenes because I have absolutely no idea. I'm just the interview guy. Talk to the fighters build relationships that's that, that's my role i have no idea what is going on in the business side but lauren has been representing herself basically over the last couple of years she's been very vocal about the management side of the mixed martial arts business and she's had some issues in the past with past managers and you know kind of hearing now that she knew she needed someone in her corner to help negotiate these types of deals and accepting that really interesting so now she's with first round management with Luda Bono with the Kawas I think that's a pretty good move for her I mean that's that's quite the roster and uh, I, I think it's a good move so enjoy that conversation it's no brainer in my eyes to book Murphy versus Andrade at this point like what's the point of having Andrade wait for the winner of Shevchenko versus Maya like I think a lot of us believe that Shevchenko is going to win that fight but I don't know Shevchenko like historically is not the most active fighter I know she She's been relatively active, like 2019 into like the early stages of 2020, but we are in a pandemic. It's it's just interesting times right now. So what if Valentina wins and then can't fight till August? We're going to wait and have Andrade like just sit on the sidelines for that long. I mean, maybe Shevchenko can turn around quick, but why take the risk? Why take that chance? Just book Murphy versus Andrade sometime in December. Maybe put on UFC 256 to wrap up the year because that's a very important fight at 125. And then... There's no, there's no questions here. If Andrade beats Murphy or vice versa, I think the winner of that should probably get the next shot. If Cynthia Calvillo beats Caitlin Chukagin and does so very impressively, she's in the conversation as well. But like I was telling her, and I think most people would agree with me, the women's 125-pound division, even with a champion that's been very dominant and somebody that people don't believe that she's going to lose anytime soon, it's very interesting. It really is, so good stuff right there and that's pretty much gonna do it for this week's episode of what the heck we do have another interview to get to but this will wrap up i guess like the 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 segmentation portion of the program so thank you all for watching and listening make sure you rate review subscribe all that good stuff if you want to do so only takes you a couple minutes and we appreciate kind words and feedback uh bellator back tonight with bellator 251 at the fight sphere at mohegan sun arena Corey Anderson versus Melvin Manhoff is the day is is the main event. Corey Anderson's Bellator debut, so that's going to be interesting. 
Should be a fun card. UFC Vegas 13, of course, coming up on Saturday. We'll have you covered with all of those results, pre and post fight chatter, etc., for UFC Vegas 13. And remember, it's uh, obviously a rough year. It's a very divisive time in the world and in the United States. So try and stay positive. You know, sometimes I got to remind myself of that from time to time. But, you know, be positive, be nice, and just do what you have to do. And with that said, have a heck of a week, everybody. We will leave you with my chat from Tuesday with Kevin Holland coming off his big win at UFC Vegas 12 over Charlie Ontiveros. Thank you very much. All right, we have Kevin Holland joining us right now, coming off his first-round finish of Charlie Ontiveros this past Saturday at UFC Vegas 12. And with that win, he is now the only fighter on the roster with four wins in 2020. What a year it has been for the Trailblazer, who is kind enough to join us once again. Kevin, how are you, sir? I'm doing good. How about yourself? Doing great. Good Lord, man. What a year it has been for you. It started off in Jacksonville, then three wins in three consecutive months in Las Vegas. When this pandemic struck, Kevin, and things were so uncertain, did you ever imagine getting to fight four times and then looking for a fifth, maybe even a sixth this year? No, uh, I had no idea how the year was going to work out, but uh, I can say, man, I love the activity level. It's, 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 my, type, it's my type of life, you know what I mean? <laughs> For sure. I mean, not only have you like performed in the cage, but I feel like the universe has sent you some pretty good juju. I mean, you've had a couple of hiccups along the way, you know, short notice opponents, fights being scratched like minutes before they're about to start. But still, it just feels to me like you found yourself for the most part in the right place at the right time this year. Do you feel the same way? Yeah, I uh, ultimately feel like it's it's been a good one. You know what I mean? Everything's worked out. Everything's gone pretty swell, and, uh, you know, I honestly can't complain about how it's worked out for me. Before we talk about the fight itself, let's go back to this past Wednesday because you were supposed to be part of the virtual media day ahead of the fight with Mahmoud Muradov. And, you know, we've covered enough of these to realize that when fighters don't show up for those scrums, that something went down and changes are coming. So when were you made aware that that Mahmoud was out of the fight and that you were going to fight Charlie Onaveros instead? Uh, Probably... Once I realized I wasn't going to the media scrum, I was like, something's going on here. I was like, something's not right. And then, uh, yeah, shortly after I found out we needed a new opponent. And then uh, a little later on in the day, I found out who it was. And I was like, you know what? I was supposed to fight this guy back in the day. It never went through. I was looking for something else. So worked out for a lot more money. I can't complain. <laughs> you, go. oh, you were supposed to fight him before? Yeah, I think like in 2017 or something like that, 16. Oh, there you go. I mean, it's funny because Charlie had a really crazy road to get to that fight himself. He had a shot at the UFC. He was going to replace somebody on a day's notice, and then he wasn't cleared. But, you know, he gave it everything he had in there, and eventually you were just too much for him. Did did anything throw you off in that fight? Was was his style on the feet early? Did that kind of throw you off, or were you just kind of expecting the unexpected? He was fast. I knew he was going to throw some pretty crazy kicks and stuff like that. I mean, I was down for it. I mean, uh, I think I was rushing. You know, I, I had a lot of so, a couple hours before the fight, I was kind of like, the night before the fight, you know, after weigh-ins, I was complaining to my coaches. I was like, you know, the guy I was fighting was, the guy they had me scheduled to fight was on a 13-fight win streak. It was intriguing to me. It was something that I really wanted to try. You know, it was a puzzle. You know what I mean? But with this new guy they had bringing in, it was like, I'm fighting another newcomer in the UFC. It's like, I kind of get tired of doing that over and over again. You know, it's like, I don't want to hear people saying, oh, he's not fighting somebody ranked or a challenge. So I wanted to fight somebody a little bit more legit. Not saying nothing bad about Charlie. It's just what was going through my head, you know? So then 
I put a challenge in front of myself. I said, it's Halloween. Maybe I can make it home tonight if I finish the fight in a decent amount of time since they changed the time that I was going to be fighting to an earlier time. The latest flight that I could get to get out of there was at like 6.20, 6.15. So I had to be at the airport by at least 5.15. So in my head, I had it worked out. If I could finish the fight in the first round and get done with media and everything by 5 o'clock, I'd already have my bags in the limo and I could make it to the airport by 5.15 and I could make it home before the night was over with and have fun. You know, I finished the fight with an amount of time that I set for myself, but I still missed the flight because I took too long talking inside the media tent. Big mouth. You know how I get down. <laughs> <laughs> well, and talking out of Sonia too, man. I mean, you had to get those shots in, but uh, before we get to that, like you, you threw him around in there. That last slam, man, was just nasty. Dana White was, was all fired up about it. What happened there? Like once you put him on the mat and you had him pinned down like that, what happened that led to the ref stepping in there? Did he did he say he was done? Did you know he was really hurt? Uh, yeah, he was like, so as soon as I slammed him, he kind of was saying, my neck, my neck, my neck. So, I, you know, he was like, your neck? He said, yeah. I'm like, you sure? He was like, my neck, my neck. And I was like, ref stopped it, got up, and walked off. You know, I, I probably should have asked his corner if they were high sooner. You know what I mean? It took Stylebender to say, hey, go check on your, your you know, check on your opponent. But, uh, yeah, I was fired up about something else. You know, I got hit with a head kick and he made some little weird noise. So that kind of had me fired up, too. So. <laughs> right, yeah, I mean, you, you mentioned Adesanya and then you, you gentlemen began exchanging pleasantries, so to speak. Was this something that happened, like spur of the moment? Or did you know the whole time that he was sitting there? Yeah, I seen him sitting there. I knew he was going to be. I had a feeling he was going to be at the fight watching uh, Anderson Silva. I just thought it was funny that, you know, when I walked up to him, he... He knew who I was, but then when I said something about L.A., he acted like he didn't remember L.A., so it is what it is. There's uh, Fuck it. When it happens, it happens, you know? Yeah, I mean, and, and that's that's one thing I want to bring up because there's there's a lot to appreciate about you, Kevin, and we've been chatting it up for a little while now, but one thing I really appreciate about you is that you are as real yet you're as as realistic as it gets. Like a lot of people thought, okay, there's Kevin Holland going out and trying to get a title fight, which I didn't think was the case at all. Cause you've said on the show many times that, you know, when it comes to guys like Marvin Vittori and others that have said something to you in the past, if you see them, you're just going to address it right there and then. And that whole thing was not you trying to jump any cues here. That was you reacting to something in that moment that was like a memory from the past. And, you know, were you perhaps planting some seeds for down the line? Perhaps, but this wasn't you trying to get a title shot next or anything like that. At least that that's how I viewed it. Yeah, I don't need a title shot next. I think I got like what, four, maybe six more fights before I can get to a title shot. I'm cool with that. You know what I'm saying? It's like I like to fight. But four or six more fights, but I can do that in what, five, six, seven, eight months. I fight a lot. Just keep giving them to me. People say you can't do that same thing when the guys are a bigger competition. I'm an active man. You know what I mean? I'm not, I'm not really training too much technique. At least it's not changing. I'm just making the technical shit better, you know? So it's like, I'm really just going out there doing the same shit over and over and over and over again until I learn how to put it all together in a magnificent form and in a faster, 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 faster way. That's just what I'm searching for, you know? If I can perform and do everything I want to do at an extremely fast pace, then fuck them. They can't keep up. I mean, that's what Khabib's doing to everybody. He's going out there and fighting at a really fast pace. I want to do that, too. So I guess I got to work on that cardio like everybody be saying on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> How close do you think you are to, to that point, to becoming that guy? I don't know. Take it one fight at a time. 
hopefully another fight this month. That'd be nice. <laughs> yes. I mean, another thing is like you, you do like to keep things close to the vest from time to time. Like we talked about, you know, your, your sort of quasi rival with Joaquin Buckley, some things he said before the fight, you re really weren't comfortable sharing it in an interview setting. And you were asked about how this whole thing with Adesanya stemmed and you weren't ready to talk about it on Saturday, but how about now on this Tuesday's record? I mean, it's just two guys talking here. You know, we got a, a little bit of a thing going on over the years, Kevin. Uh, what happened in L.A., if you don't mind me asking? Nah, man, it's simple. It's just, I seen him in the stairwell, and it was like, uh, I simply said, he's not that big. And he was like, what the fuck he say? And then it was just like the way he responded to it, you know? And I was talking to my coach, like, yo, he's not that big. Like, I'm just looking at everybody in the division. They were talking about, hey, Kev, you should probably go back down to 70. And I was like, I don't think I need to go back down to 70. And so when I seen him, I was like, you know, he's soaring through the division. We've got similar similar bodies. He's not that big. He didn't like it. Kind of charged me up, kind of like if I was the freshman and he's like the junior, you know what I'm saying? Like, if I was the new guy on the team, he could just treat me however. And it's kind of like uh, my coach had to tell him to go the other way, and James Vick had to push me down the stairs. So... In my eyes, it just kind of felt like he was trying to pump me. So forever since then, I was kind of like, yeah, the guy's good, but fuck him, you know? I don't believe in being punked, you know? So, I mean, I, every time I meet somebody like that, you know, it's just um, two personalities are just are brash, you know? They come across each other, that's what happens. Nothing against the guy. It's just in my head and in my world, you know, we're in the same weight class as it is. Fuck him. What do you think of him jumping up to 205 now and, and fighting Blahovich? Like, pretty interesting timing. You got a big light heavyweight I fight. I think it's dope. I think it's dope. You know what I'm saying? I think he's doing really fantastic things. I like that he's an active champ, so on and so forth. Nothing wrong with the guy. Nothing wrong with the way he fights and the things that he does inside the cage and all that stuff like that, unless he's hopping people from behind and some weird shit. But, you know, hats off to him, you know? I think, and you know what? Honestly, I think that he can win that fight at 205. So... I think it's crazy he's not doing it while John Jones is there, but you know that's another story. So, but I don't want everybody to be like, hey, he's he's always bad mouthing the champ. I'm not bad mouthing the man. Props to that guy. Everybody around me thinks he's you know one of the best fighters ever. That's what's up. We'll see what happens. I appreciate you sharing that. We'll move on. Um, we also found out this week that your old pal Mike Perry has an opponent. He's now fighting Tim Means. I know you wanted that fight. Were you bummed that you didn't get it, or did you expect to, to for it not to happen? No, I expect for me not to get the fight, but, you know, we're still how many weeks out from that fight? Three. Little on three. Anything can happen. So you're staying ready for that one in case something happens. Staying ready. November, December. If I'm not fighting in November or December, though, I should enjoy the year and go get ready for January. There you go, but you would. You, I don't I don't see you doing that. I, I see your phone ringing pretty quickly here because you're... <laughs> You're in a really interesting spot because if you like people love to play fantasy matchmaker and you're both a very easy person to matchmake for and a very difficult person to matchmake for. You're easy in the sense that you'll fight anybody, but difficult due to the fact that you're on a really nice run right now. You're not ranked just yet. You're very close. And to get those big fights that many people feel that you deserve, someone's going to have to take a step back and, and take a little bit of a risk here. So. What do you think is next for you? Like, what do you see happening? Are you just kind of waiting for the phone to ring or do you have like something in mind that makes sense to you? Uh, I got offered a fight and I heard that fight hasn't been filled yet. So I don't want to say no names, but you know, if somehow the matchmaker gets a part of this little section of the interview, I'm down for that fight. I don't care what my manager said before. I'm down for that fight. What's up? Oh, so you, what, what, what date was it? Was it for November or December? 
it was for December, but I mean, we could do it in November because there's some there's some 185 fights in December that's coming up, and I got to be ready just in case somebody pulls out of those. You know, I like yeah, to stay available for those cars that people might pull out of because you never know when you're gonna need somebody to step in, and not everybody's down to step in the way I am. Yeah, because Vitor like Vittori and Jacare are fighting, and exactly. maybe one of those and guys. I gotta, be ready to, I gotta be ready to step in. So if I can get one more fight in before then. And then I can get three weeks to prepare for that fight. That'd be awesome. So if I can get November 21st and then it gives me a few weeks to prepare, prepare for December 12th, then I can have a wonderful Christmas and a wonderful new year. And then I can fight again January 23rd. And then, you know, we can see what the rest of the year looks like. And then we can map them out after that. But I just want to stay active. So I don't think it's best for me to get a title or anything like that, because when you're the champ, they got to do a lot of build up for fights, you know. So I prefer for Stylebender to go up to 205, grab that belt you know, and uh, vacate it, and then we could fight somewhere to catch weight if he doesn't want to cut that much weight anymore. I'm just coming for certain necks. That's as simple as it is. You see, I'm down to step into this fight for Marvin Vittori because I like the guy. And people always pull out of fights with Marvin Vittori, so I'm there. I'm there. <laughs> I'm there. You know? Same thing with Brunson. You know, if nobody wants to fight Brunson, I'm there. There. Yeah, he's looking for a fight, too. It's uh, a yeah. very he's interesting time. He wants to fight somebody up. He ain't going to fight me. But I'm there. You're there and you're ready. Um, so you're obviously at the mall right now. You can kind of tell with the music and, and the ambiance behind you. And the last time we were on, we talked about your shoe collection. And with these wins and these bonuses you're picking up, that collection must have gotten exponentially bigger, has it not? I mean, I ain't going to say nothing just yet, but I'm working on something. So I ain't going to be just buying shoes, you know what I'm saying? But we're working on something with the shoes. So just stay tuned with the shoes. <laughs> Trailblazer shoes coming out? No, no, no. I ain't going to create no shoe. I ain't trying to keep up with people like that. But, uh, you know, just stay tuned with the shoes. You know, something to happen with it. By the way, what did you think of um, Joaquin Buckley's knockout a few weeks back? Uh, I'm proud of Miho. I'm proud of him. I'm very, very proud of Miho. He's came so far in such little time. You know, not not very often that you're, you're that proud of your, your, you know, your newfound son. And that's a newfound son. You know, I birthed him into the into the UFC game. So I'm, I'm proud of him. He's came a far way, but, you know, he needs to stay out of my inbox challenging Big Daddy over here because, you know, I would hate to have to son him again. He's He's been hitting you up in the DMs? Yeah, he's been hitting me up in the DMs, you know. he's uh, One thing I appreciate about Buckley is Buckley's bold, you know. Buckley's bold. Bucko will never be ready for me, ever. Ever, 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 ever. They say you should never say ever, never. But I'm just going to say he should ever, 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 ever try and challenge me. I will smack him again. <laughs> <laughs> so perfect world we fight this month we fight next month make it five months in a row six wins total in 2020 that that's just a ridiculous year dude shout out to the pandemic huh <laughs> uh, listen man I, I know you're you're at the mall you got things to do but uh what an incredible run it has been for you man outstanding from the from the brennan allen fight in boston a little over a year ago to now just unbelievable stuff man continued success all oh, the best to fights, you yeah. that fights this weekend ain't it Allen versus Heinish. What do you think of that one? 80, I can make 85 still. Let me know. Oh, okay. There we go. See, Matt, hey, we, we and need... I, and, and you know what? I oftenly don't like people who beat me, but it's something about the people in the UFC that beat you. They're pretty cool. Diago's pretty cool. Brendan Allen's pretty cool. But that being said, I do like to avenge those L's. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go, man. Continued success. All the best to you in keeping this record-breaking year going, man. Looking forward to... Maybe December 12th, maybe November 21st, who knows? But congratulations on another, on another win, and we'll talk soon, man. Thanks, boss. Appreciate you. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network.
The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. <laughs> 